Welcome to the Oakland Heights Baptist Church Podcast. You're about to hear a message from our Sunday service. Amen. Hallelujah. You can be seated or you can stand, whatever you want to do. Amen. Hey, thank you, church. It's been a good day. I enjoyed my time with the men this morning. Amen. I mean, you know, you hit the ball and, and you lose it and you don't worry about it. Amen. Praise the Lord. Someone asked me today if there was any golf courses in Africa, and I said, sure. We just have different hazards, that's all. <laughs> We've lost two caddies, one to a lion and one to a croc, man. It's a, it's a whole new journey to go into the trees to look for your ball, I guarantee you. But anyway, praise the Lord. It's been so good. Thank you, brother, for your hospitality. Church, just for loving on us, it's just so, been so good. Thank you so much. And, Good to see my brother Larry and Tammy and all Ridge Lord. I just uh, love their work down there. And praise God. It's just been good. Thank you for edifying me. Thank you for the things you've said and strengthened me. And heard some wonderful testimonies from men today. And it was just a, just a glorious time. Amen. Open your Bible. Anywhere. It's all good. We're going to be close to the middle of the Bible. I want you to turn to Psalms 19 if you would, with me. I almost say this every time I, I open up to any scripture. I say it's my favorite. You know, I, I just love the Word of God. I, the Word of God changed my life, okay? As I gave a little bit of my testimony, I was not raised in church. I was not uh, raised a, a Baptist or a Catholic or a Methodist or Episcopalian or a Catholic or Church of Christ. Or I just was not raised anything. I was your... Basic boogerhead, I guess, you know, but uh, I, uh, I, I, I believe there was a God. I, I wasn't a fool, you know. The, our young people are being sent off to the universities to be taught and trained that there is no God, and they end up being taught into being a fool. You know, the Bible says the fool has said in his heart there is no God. I, I wasn't a fool. I might have been a little crazy. I might have been a little ignorant and unlearned and all those things, but uh, I wasn't a fool. I believe there was a God. I just didn't know I could have or experience any type of personal relationship with a creator. I mean, think about that. The creator wants to have fellowship with you. He wants to talk to you. You say, well, I, I don't hear his voice. I think the reason why you don't hear his voice is you're not in his word. You see, this is called the revelation of God, the revealed will, work, plan of God. So you say, well, God doesn't speak to me. Open up the book. Let God speak. The problem is we may not have ears to hear. The problem is we may not have the Spirit of God living in us. Have you ever heard people say, well, I read the Bible, I just don't understand it. Well, the Bible has a little verse about that, you know, because this is a spiritual book. So if you're not having the Spirit of God living in you and you don't understand it, you better get the Spirit of God in you. Because if you die without the Spirit of God in you, there is a place that you're going. Jesus preached on that many times. It's a place called hell. And by the way, it just doesn't end in hell. It's just the beginning of eternity. For people that scream and beg and probably want to get out, if you've ever read the Bible, and especially Luke, about the rich man that opened up his eyes in hell, being in torment. 
and he couldn't get out. And he couldn't get someone to come relieve him. He was just forever and ever and ever. We have a Lamba word forever and ever. It's called umu ya ya ya. You know, when you spend eternity lost without God. So there in Psalms 19, I, I just love it. I, we talked a little bit about that yesterday morning. We'll read verse 1. The heavens declare the glory of God. Have you ever set out on a night, and I don't know about Georgia with all the clouds and everything, but do you ever see the stars here in Georgia? Amen. What? No. <laughs> well, you need to get up to some mountain. You need to come to Zambia with me. Because on a clear night, and there's no, you know, really moon out that night, and there's no clouds out, and you look up, and you've seen it, and you go, wow. Never seen so many stars. And all of a sudden, you'll look real good, and all of a sudden, you'll see Venus. You know, just shining. You go, wow, that's a, that's a star. I said, no, that's a planet. That's how far. Man, it's, it's just amazing to look up. I stood this close to Victoria Falls. Did you go to the falls? And you stand there. You know, and if you've ever stood there like in May after the rainy season, and, and the water's just coming across there in May, and I mean, it's falling like, you know, seven, eight hundred feet down and hits those rocks and then the mist comes up a hundred, two hundred feet above the falls and you see this big old cloud. It's like walking through a rain. I mean, you're just soaked. And then I've seen it where it's just little trickles, you know, the dry season. And then one day I got to go up to the Congo because I heard that there you could find the source of the Zambezi River. So we took a trip in the Congo. We went deep in the bush there and it's a little trail. They found it, you know. It's not like I'm trying to find something that no one else has found. I mean, it's like a tourist attraction, you know. But you still got to walk there, you know. You still got to trek your way through. There's no really... So we're going, going all of a sudden on the side of this hill in the jungle, in the Congo, there's a tree, and the tree had fallen, but you, you see water bubbling coming out of this hole in the side of this hill, and it trickles and it goes down and it forms a little creek that forms a little stream that all of a sudden forms the river of Zambezi that comes across and falls over the falls of Victoria Falls. Wow! To be able to stand at that place and to be able to stand at Victoria Falls and as the natives call it, the Mosi Otunya, which means the smoke that thunders. I can't even imagine David Livingston when he came down and you know, in a canoe, and he sees off in the distance that mist rising up and the thunder that's going over those falls, and to be able to stand there. It's an awesome sight. You see, the heavens, creation has a voice, amen, and it tells us there is a, a creator. Look what it says, day unto day utter speech, Oof. night unto night showeth knowledge. Verse 3, I underlined it in my Bible. There is no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. You ever heard people say to you, what about the heathen? They have a voice that speaks to them wherever they're at. It's the voice of creation. There is a God. I've never met an atheist in the bush. They don't know Jesus, they don't know a Bible, they've never gone to church, but they look up at the heavens and say, there's a creator. Now, they may have other gods down on this earth, they may worship the spirits of their ancestors, but there's a God who created everything. 
the creation speaks. The problem is <laughs> God's given us a revelation. And we won't listen to it. And we're not hearing what he's saying. So I love this chapter. Go on down to verse number 7. Here we go. The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. Verse 10, more to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold, sweeter also than the honey. And the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is thy servant warned, and in keeping of them there is great reward. Father, as only you can do, Lord, your word, bless your word. Speak to our hearts tonight, God, I pray. Father, Spirit of God, do what you do. <laughs> Get into the hearts, Lord. Uh, correct, uh, convict, edify, build up. Whatever it takes, Lord, just to see a little more of you, Father, to be able to put ourselves in the offering and say, here am I, Lord, send me. God, this church, what a church, being able to raise money for Bibles, your word to the Albanian people, God, the, the word is needed, the word needs to go, the word created, Lord, the word brings life. So God, thank you so much for this opportunity. Bless your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Here we have Psalms 19. We have David writing, I believe, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit of God. And this portion of Scripture here offers a testimony of God himself giving to his people the sufficiency of the word. Just give me the word. You know, if people come to Zambia, I remember we had a young preacher come over, and we had a group of, I don't know, several hundred people there, and he got up, and he was real nervous, you know. He was a young man, and he, he said, Bobby, I've never really done. I said, just, man, just take your time. Read the Word. Preach. He preached about 15, 20 minutes, and he sat down. And our people just kept looking. What, what are you doing? We, we've, just, we've just walked two, three, we just took a bicycle five hours to come and hear you for 15 minutes, okay? So I got up, and I gave about an hour and a half invitation, okay? <laughs> so I'm just saying, the fact that some of the people that I've been able to have the privilege to meet and to minister to and to give a Bible to for the very, very first time, to watch them take it and just go, wow, you know, and cry and weep. Two men were led to the Lord in Choma, Zambia, by one of our Zambian missionaries. And our Zambian missionary didn't have a Bible, and they both asked for a Bible. So they got on two bicycles, and they came to Kapulafuta, where I was. And they knocked on the gate, and... The man came in and said, uh, there's two men from Choma who want to talk to the missionaries. So I walked out, and they literally got on their knees. 
And I went, what are, what are you guys doing? They go, and they clapped, and they said, we have come from Choma, and can you please give us a Bible? I said, who are you? <laughs> Get up, please. They got up. They, they told me about being led to Christ by one of our men, and they said, they said that we could get a Bible. And I said, now, wh where do you come from? Choma. Well, Choma is 500 miles from the mission. They, did, they didn't hitchhike a ride. They didn't take a bus. They rode their bicycles for 500 miles one way to get a copy of the Word of God. How many of us are five feet from our Bible and we won't take the time to open it and allow God to speak to us? This Word should be... As the prophet said, precious to me. It should be much more precious than gold. Much more sweeter than honey. You say, oh, I've read that Bible. Keep reading it. Keep reading it. Keep reading it. Keep reading it. Why? It's food. It's spiritual food. Well, I really don't understand it. Maybe God wants to do something in your life like save your soul. Maybe God wants to show you where you need to go. Well, I, where, where should I go, missionary? I, I have Africans come to me all the time. They graduate from our institute, and they come to me, and they say, where should I go, Brother Barton? Where, where should I go, missionary? Tell me where to go. I said, I'm not God. I can't tell you where to go. But I can tell you this, for God so loved the world. The world, this world is not my home. I'm just passing through. God saved me. I'm already seated over there now. I've got to what? Try to bring as many people with me to heaven, to glory. And so the law of the Lord is perfect. Notice what it said. In verses 7 through 9, David makes six statements about Scripture. I love it, the fact that this church is taking on a project to get the Bible to people in Albania. I thank God for organizations like Bearing Precious Seed. I thank God for being Bible Educational Missionary Service that get Bibles to missionaries. I'm so thankful for these organizations that sent literally hundreds of thousands of Bibles to us in Africa, millions of tracts and millions of John and Romans that we've distributed over the last 33 years. I'm so thankful for that because I can't save anybody. But God can through His Word. Do you know that you were born again, not of corruptible seed? but of incorruptible, how? By the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. When you heard the word of God, and it came in, and it pricked your soul, and all of a sudden you realize, wow, God is telling me something. God is telling me that I'm not right with him. God is telling me that I'm a sinner. God is telling me I'm on my way to hell. But God also says he paid away. That by his death, by his burial, by his resurrection, if I believe in that and trust in that, I can have eternal life. And I can be born again. And I can have a relationship with God. You see, when you hear Revelation, 
it demands a response. Every time God spoke to somebody, they responded. God spoke to Abraham, he responded. God spoke to Moses, he responded. God spoke to Paul, he responded. Are you with me? Revelation demands a response. It's not just a historical book. It's history, yes. This is God's Word. It's eternal. It lasts forever. So what does he call? He calls the Scripture the law of the Lord, right? He calls it the testimony of the Lord. He calls it the statutes of the Lord. He calls it the commandments of the Lord. He calls it even the fear of the Lord and then the judgments of the Lord. Now, the word Lord here is translated Yahweh, which is the covenant name of God. David wanted the reader to know that Scripture comes from God himself. You say, well, man wrote that, but no, you don't understand. The Holy Spirit came down and moved upon man in God's hand. God preserved his word for us. I don't know if God could preserve his word. Did God create <laughs> with his word? Zebra, boom, zebra. Okay. How did Adam know how to call a zebra a zebra? Why didn't he call it a giraffe? Okay, but it's amazing how he just named all those. Just, right? Amen. And so God did it. So we need to understand that. So each of these statements here in Psalm 19, okay, is a characteristic of God's Word and describes the effect that the Word is going to have on that individual if that individual receives it as it is indeed the Word of God. It will affect your life. I remember a long time ago when I first got saved, someone said, you know what, Brother Bonner? This Bible will keep you from sin, or sin will keep you from the Bible. Okay. David said, thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. The word of God. Look what verse 7, the law of the Lord is perfect. Now that word perfect here means it's whole. It's complete. The scripture lacks nothing. There's nothing to be added to it. It has everything. You know how scared I was when I got to Zambia and Adia? You know how scared I was walking out to this different culture, different people, and looking at them, not even understanding their culture, not even understanding what they believe, and holding up this old Bible saying, God has an answer to any question you have. Fire away. That's scary because I think, well, I know America, I can answer their questions, but what kind of questions are they going to have? I mean, they had some pretty tough questions. But I'd look in a concordance I had because they were under no time restraints, you know. So I'd look up a word and I'd say, well, the Bible, God's book says this. God's book says this about your question. Wow, wow. God has an answer to anything and everything that I'm asking. How to treat your wife, how to treat your husband, how to raise your kids. How to get baptized, you know, why we ought to go to church, just whatever. And so we need to understand that. 
So each of these statements, again, they highlight or describe an effect of what the Word of God has on a person. The Word of God is absolutely true. There is nothing that would lead men into sin in this book. It's going to lead you to knowing Him, to the righteousness of God, not how to sin. It covers it all, no matter the culture, no matter the nation. Right, Brother Albert? Here in Mexico, I'm in Africa. I can talk to other missionaries in Vietnam. It doesn't matter. This word transcends culture. Don't make Americans out of them. Make followers of Christ out of them. The Word of God. Let them believe and have a final authority in their culture. Scripture is so powerful. It's so comprehensive that it can convert. It can transform an entire person. Man, I mean, look at me. No, don't. I won't scare you. Amen. But anyway, this book changed my life. You know, when I got saved, like I said, I wasn't going to, I didn't know what a church was. I thought Church of Christ, Catholic, Baptist, they were all the same. But man, I went to all of them. I didn't have anybody to disciple me except my father-in-law that told me there's only two kinds, serve God when you feel like it, when you don't. I mean, you know, told me to read the Bible, so I'm reading the Bible, but as I'm reading the Word and reading the Word and reading the Word, I go to this particular church and the preacher says something against the passage that I'm reading. So I'm going, well, that guy evidently doesn't know what this says. So I better go to this church. So I went over there to this church, and this church says, well, all charismatics are of the devil. And I said, wow, I don't like him because I got saved in a Pentecostal church. During a revival meeting, there was no mention of tongues. It was all about Jesus and salvation and the price that he paid. I got saved. But I didn't know what a charismatic church was. I didn't know what they believed. I didn't know what they taught. And then all of a sudden, I'm reading the Word of God, and I go to a charismatic church, and the charismatic guy said, well, if you don't speak in tongues, you don't have the Holy Spirit. So I'm thinking, wow, I don't speak in tongues. I know a little Spanish. I can cuss you out in Spanish. I, I don't know much else, you know. And, and so I said, well, what does the Bible say about it? I go to Acts chapter 2, and it said, every man heard them speak in his own language. Hello. It's a supernatural gift, a sign gift given by God to be able to speak. There were all kinds of nations there in Jerusalem in Acts chapter 2. You know what? I preached a message one time, and I had five different tribes in Africa. That was the longest message I ever preached. Because here I am speaking in English. It's interpreted from English to Lamba. There's a guy over here that doesn't know English, but he knows Lamba, so he has to interpret it in Lunda. And then the next guy in Lodzi, the next guy Nyanja, and the next guy Swahili. So I'm going, oh, and then I, you know, you kind of forget where you are, you know. And then if I get really excited about a thing, and then they're, they're all looking at me going, how am I going to interpret that? You don't know how many times I prayed for the gift of tongues. <laughs> but what God did is God raised up some men that not only spoke English, but spoke five, six, seven, eight different dialects. So as I taught them, they turned and taught their people in their dialect. You see, tongues are for a sign. The Jews require, require a 
sign. Just know your Bible. There's some gifts that I wish I had the power to heal. Because anybody that's in the hospital, I'd go in there and lay my hands on them, they'd get up. I don't, I, I don't like to talk about this during church services, but I've dealt with a lot of demonic people full of evil spirits. I don't have the power. I don't have the apostolic power to say, come out, boom, they're gone. So when I pray over those people, I may be there for hours, days. Because Jesus said, these kind only come out through prayer and fasting. So that's another subject. You want to talk about it private, I'd be glad to talk to you about it. But the word is everything. Scripture is so powerful. God's word is sufficient to restore through salvation a broken life. You're looking at a a broken life. A lot of people don't know this. I'm ashamed to tell you this, but a month before I got saved, I literally threw my wife out of our apartment. I said, I want a divorce. I don't love you. I called her names, you name it. Threw her the car key. She drove all the way back to her father. 200 miles got there. He put her arm around her. Gave her some money. Said, go back to your husband. God's going to save his soul. A month later, I'm on my face with shame. God saved my marriage. Let me tell you something. This word can do that. You say, you don't know my home life. Get in the word. Memorize it. Hide it in your heart. Walk in it. And let God take control of your life as you live the Word of God. Because He can what? Convert the soul. He can change your spouse. He can save your family. Look at verse 7. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise is simple. Testimony speaks of Scripture as a divine witness. You see, Scripture is God's sure testimony of who He is and what He requires of us. Maybe we don't like to read the Word of God because we don't want to be put on the spot how God requires us to be faithful. It is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. You know, forsake not the assembly as some you know, I know we're going through a tough time. I understand pandemic. Pastors are struggling just to try to figure out this whole thing. And I understand that. And I'm not taking it lightly. We had our church secretary just go to be with Jesus last week. He died of COVID. I understand how serious it is. I understand how serious death is because every week in Zambia, we were burying people. You know, I buried over 20 of the pastors that I trained personally that I knew their families and they died prematurely over there of malaria or cholera or AIDS, you know, because it was everywhere over there where we were at that particular time. You know, what does it say there? You know, in 2 Peter chapter 1, if you want to write this scripture down, it says, for we have not followed cunningly devised fables when we made known unto you the power and coming of the Lord Jesus Christ were eyewitnesses to his majesty. And then he goes on to say in verse 19 of 2 Peter chapter 1, we also have what? A more sure word of prophecy. Woo! Wherein too you do well that you take heed as unto a light that shineth in a dark place 
knowing this, verse 20, that no prophecy of the Scripture is of any private interpretation. See, the Word of God is so powerful. See, Peter reflects back on the time of Mount of Transfiguration with the supernatural that took place where Jesus Christ is glorified, the voice of the Father, everything. He saw that. He heard that. And he said in his word that this is more sure. Because you know what? What we see sometimes and what we hear sometimes and what we feel sometimes doesn't line up with this. Have you ever read the story of Isaac? Remember when he was getting ready to die and he was blind and he called in Esau, his firstborn. He said, go kill me my favorite venison. Kill it. Bring it to me so I can eat it and right before I die and I will bless you because you're my firstborn. And of course, his wife heard the story and said, Jacob, come here. Go kill a kid over here and, and you know, I'll dress it and you go in and you pretend you're Esau and get the blessing, right? You know the story, all right? And he, he said, but I'm a smooth man. Esau's all hairy. You know, and so they killed the kids of the goat, right? And put, the, put on Esau's clothes and read the story very carefully. He walks in and Isaac, who's blind, can't see. He says, oh, who is it? And Jacob said, it's Esau. And what did Jacob say? Come closer. He, he smelled him. He felt him. And he said, wow. He said, the words are Jacob. But the smell and the feel is Esau. He based his blessing on what he felt, not the word he heard. Okay? Just because you feel like something, make sure the word of God lines up with what you're feeling. Trust the word. Trust the spirit of God moving in the word to tell you and direct your paths. Amen? So we understand that. The testimony of the Lord is sure. Making wise the simple. Oh, I thank God. My life verse is Acts 4.13. I'm ignorant. I'm unlearned. But I've been with Jesus. Okay. I don't know much. You know, in the statement by Peter, he affirmed that the testimony of God's written word is more sure than the audible voice of God and what he saw. Wow. You see, Scripture, listen, Scripture is a product of God's Spirit moving upon human authors to produce what we have today in the Word of God. God did that. 2 Peter 1.20, we already read that. The power of the Scriptures, listen, supersedes even apostolic experience. That's what Peter said. Maybe that's the reason why Jesus prevented the disciples when he was on the road of Emmaus, you know, after the resurrection, from recognizing him. Because if you read the story, they don't recognize him until he opens them the scriptures. He opens up the scriptures to them, begins to explain the Old Testament. And let's get in the Word. Let's let our eyes be opened. Let's take the word to somebody so their eyes can be open to what God is telling the church. 
Luke 24, verse 27 says, And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded unto them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Then their eyes were open when the revelation of God was preached. See, he wanted their faith, okay, based on scripture, not on an experience that they had. Scripture must supersede experience. I've seen a lot of stuff on the field that would (laughs) make the hair rise on your head a little bit, but I've got to go back to the Word. What does the Word say about this situation? See, God's Word makes the simple wise. The word simple comes from the Hebrew word that means what? An open door. God's going to open the door to His Word. And give you understanding. See? Someone who is wise is someone who submits to Scripture. Someone who knows how to apply the Scripture in the circumstance that they're in. Because the Word of God can take a simple mind with no discernment and make them skilled in the issues of life. I've seen it. I've seen guys that have an 8th grade, ninth grade education that have memorized almost the entire New Testament and the wisdom that they have according to the Word of God just blows me away to see their knowledge and their walk in the Word of God. 1 Corinthians 1.20 says, Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of the world? Hath not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? See, there's reality in foolishness. People think I was a fool when I walked away from baseball, when I walked away from five major league offers. I can't believe, by the way, I'm talking my family, my blood relatives. They said, he's lost his mind. He's joined a cult. I can't believe this. And then when I decided to go to Africa, well, what are you going over there for? We need Jesus down in South Texas. I said, yeah, I know, but if I went to South Texas, you'd still be the same lost people there if I was there anyway. Because you don't believe anything I say now, what makes you think you're going to believe me when I move down there? I said, I want to go somewhere where they want to know who Jesus is. Because, boy, when we went in those villages, they would just sit and listen for hours and hours and hours and hours to the Word of God. Look at verse 8 of Psalms 19. The statue of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. So many people today are distressed. They're discouraged because they don't lack, uh, they don't have a purpose for their life. They don't have direction in their life. And look what it says. It says, the statue of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. What are statues? Statutes are divine principles and guidelines for your character, for your conduct. They tell you what your purpose is. See, God created us to know how we must live and how he wants us to live. So he's placed the scripture, every principle that we need to live that life that we need to live for him. Psalms 119, verse 105, I've already quoted it, but it says, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet, a light unto my path. It gives direction. See, the Word sees us through the right course of life. And because of God's Word, it ought to bring us joy. 
joy unspeakable and full of glory. I was sitting in a church service one time before I ever got to, uh, to Africa, and I was sitting kind of in the back, and the church was packed, and we were singing a song, and man, I, I love to praise Jesus. And you know, most of the time when I come to church, you know, I, I usually sit on the front row. Why? Because I don't want to scare anybody back there, okay? <laughs> because I sat there one time, and I just got so overwhelmed with the song that when the song got finished, I just went, Wow, glory! And man, the guy in front of me, he about fell out of his chair. Because I yelled right in his ear, you know? And he was like, So after the service was ended, you know, the guy that was sitting next to him, I'd never seen this guy before, but the guy sitting next to him I knew, and he came to me and he said, Bobby, I, I can't believe you did that. I mean, my, I brought a visitor, and you scared the snot out of him. And I just looked at him, and I said, well, the Bible says over in Psalms 40, he hath put a new song in my mouth. And many shall see it and fear and trust in the Lord. I said, did you tell him why I was shouting? I had something to shout about. God saved my soul. I'm praising him for what he's done in my life. I'm praising him for what he's done in my family. I'm praising him for his grace and mercy. Boy, I just want to shout. You know, that's why I sit down here, so I can shout and praise and raise my hand. And You know, you want to watch me, that's okay. I'd rather you just praise him. Amen. Statues of the Lord are right. See, the word sees us through those tough times. It's divine truth. Psalms 119, verse 50. David said, this is my comfort in my affliction. For thy word hath quickened me, made me alive. Have you ever felt down? Have you ever been down? Why do we run away from the Lord and run away from his word when we're feeling depressed, when we are to run to it and to him? I'm discipling, was discipling the man that was married to our church secretary, Michael Pratt. Michael lost his wife. 52 years old and been married, you know, 28 years. And wife died. And Mike said, I, I, I got to get away. I got to clear my head. And I, I told him this. I said, Mike, I know you're hurting. I know you're hurting something fierce. I said, but please don't run from the cross. Run to it. Run to it. Some of you are going through some type of depression, I'm sure, because it happens. I went through depression. It's very easy to do that. Why? Because it's we're human. Paul went through it. Paul said, I had the sentence of death. I despaired even of life. But what happened? He went into this place and he met two people that were tent makers that what loved on him and encouraged him. We need each other. Don't run from the church. Run to the church. Don't run from the cross. Run to the cross. Don't run from the word. Go back to the word. And tell God, I'm sorry I've neglected such a great word. Well, please speak to me. See, look what Jeremiah said. Jeremiah 15, he says, Thy words were found, and I did eat them. And thy word was unto me the joy and rejoicing of mine heart, for I am called by thy name. Woo! If you're saved, you're called by his name. Boy, that ought to rejoice Look at verse 8. The commandment of the Lord is pure and lightning in the eyes. Notice the word commandment. It's not a choice. <laughs> it is not a, a uh, okay, uh, it's, 
this book is not a book of suggestions. Okay? It's a non-optional book. It's a command. It's divine mandates, right? And so as a whole, the Bible is not that difficult. Come on, gang. It's not that difficult. He'll give you what you need when you need it. You just stay in it. Scripture is not mystifying. Scripture is not confusing. Scripture is not puzzling. If something is pure, it's what? It's clear. Right? It's pure. See, well, I don't understand it. Maybe you don't have the Spirit of God in you. Maybe you're not born again. Or maybe you're so far away from Him, you can't see what's going on. Just come back to him and say, as we say in Africa, which means, come back, my child. Come back. Come back to where you started. Come back to the pure word of God. Come back to worshiping me in spirit and in truth. Come back to me. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. David uses a synonym here, God's word. He calls it fear. Fear speaks of what? That awe of God, awe of His Word. What does it say in Ecclesiastes? Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep His commandments. Fear God. Understand that. The word clean speaks of the absence of impurity, the absence of filthiness, the absence of defilement, the absence of imperfection. Scripture is without sin or corruption or error. David wrote about it in Psalms 12. The words of the Lord are pure words, as silver tried in the furnace of earth, purified seven times. Thou shalt keep them, O Lord. Thou shalt preserve them from this generation forever. See, Scripture endures forever. The Bible is permanent. It's unchanging. And therefore, it is relevant to every single person in this room. Think about this. It must grieve the Lord when people slander him by claiming that the Bible is outdated. That the Bible needs to be, you know, changed a little bit to fit our culture and our way of thinking now. You see a lot of that going on today in churches. See, Scripture needs more, no more updating, no more refining. It's pure. It's holy. It's true. Every tongue, every nation, every kindred, every tribe needs the Word of God. And when we first got to Africa, that's what we did. Verse 9, real quick. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. The final characteristic, the final characteristic and effect of God's all-sufficient Word has to do with His what? His judgments. His judgments. This means ordinances or divine verdicts from the supreme judge okay, of all the earth. You know what Jesus said? The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. The words that I speak unto you, they shall judge you in the last day. Woo. You ever read Revelations where it says, and the books were opened? Death and hell were delivered up. And every man was judged out of what that book said there in the book of Revelation. You see, the lost person, the unbeliever, 
cannot know what is true because they're blind to the Word of God. They're deceived by Satan. Always looking for some type of spiritual truth, but apart from the Word of God. And apart from the Word of God, you cannot find it. Because this is the ultimate truth of all faith and all practice. It's the purpose of life. It's our morality. It's our value. It's our life. It's our death. It's our destiny. It's our eternity. It's our heaven, hell. What is true love? What is the will of God for my life? All of that is found in the revelation of God. And yet, and I'll close with this, John 8, Jesus said in verse 43, Why do ye not understand my speech? Why? Even because ye cannot hear my word. Are you hearing his word? Are you hearing from him? What a privilege it is, church, to possess the word of God. Scripture is true. It's righteous all together. Contrary to what others say today, there's no need for any additional wisdom, any additional stuff to go with this book. You see, Scripture has not failed us. We have failed Scripture. We've failed to follow what God has said. And yet God says this, and I'll close again. I like to close, okay? So Colossians 3.16 says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. You want to know where to be? Be in here. Be in here. Let it lead you. Let it guide you. Let it speak to you. Obey it. Hunger for it. Desire it. Meditate. Memorize it. Father, thank you for this evening. Lord, you've commanded your church to go. Why? Because your word. You placed those commandments. Your last words to go. And tell all the nations. Giving the gospel. Your word. The good news. That you died. Were buried and rose again. From the dead. And if anyone would believe that. And trust only you. And call upon you. From the depths of their heart. And say God be merciful to me a sinner. Save my soul. God you would hear. You would save. God there may be someone here tonight. It's not sure they're saved. Right now, right now, could be your time of salvation. You say, Brother Bobby, I've gone to church all my life. Church can't save you. Bobby, I've heard preaching all my life. Preaching can't save you. (laughs) I've been baptized three times already, Brother Bobby. Baptism doesn't save you. It's when you're so convicted in your heart that you know that you're lost. You know that when you read the Bible, you don't get anything out of it. Why? Because the Bible is a spiritual book. And you've got to have the Spirit of God inside of you. And when you trust Him and call upon Him and you mean it, you understand that we're we're so unrighteous, we're so full of sin, 
And yet you love us so much that you sent your son to die for my sin. Oh, God, thank you for saving my soul. What about you tonight? Say, Brother Bobby, I'm not sure I'm saved. Pray for me. Would you raise your hand up real high? Brother Bobby, pray for me. I'm not sure I'm saved. Anyone like that? All right. Head bowed, eyes closed. I'm going to ask you another question. Have you say, Brother Bonner, the Word of God really hasn't been <laughs> where it needs to be in my life. I need to be in the Word of God more. I need to have a hunger for the Word of God. I need to read it more. Is there anyone like that that would say, Brother Bonner, pray for me? God bless you. Keep your hand up. Keep your hand up. Father, thank you. Our Lord, our hands are extended to you in praise. Thank you, God loving us. Thank you for revealing you to us through your word, through a gospel witness through the church. But Lord, thank you for your word. God, forgive me. Forgive us that we have neglected such a great and powerful tool that you've given us, an instrument that can be used <laughs> to fight off the devil. To have our loins girt about with truth. Thy word is truth. And have on the breastplate of righteousness and the helmet of salvation. Knowing what God's word says. And of course the sword of the spirit which is the word of God. So God bless these that have raised their hand. God I pray during this invitation time. Speak to our hearts about what we need to give. For this Bible project. God that people would actually get the word of God. Probably for the very first time. Oh, God, thank you. Lord, bless our time, I pray in Jesus' name. Let's all stand. If God spoke to your heart, we have an altar open up here. If you want to come and say, Lord, I, I'm sorry. Maybe you said it while you were there. That's okay. Maybe you want to come and make a commitment to the Lord. James, you take over. There's a song playing. Maybe you want to sing, Tis So Sweet to Trust in Jesus. Maybe you just want to bow your head and pray. Well, let's respond to the Lord. We heard tonight that revelation demands a response. So what's your response? Not only has God been gracious enough to speak through the heavens, to declare in a language that every person can understand, but he's given us his word. It'll change your life. Listen, we heard tonight that men were traveling 500 miles on bicycle to get God's word. Can I ask you what you're willing to do to get the word of God to them? Are you willing to go? Would you be willing to go if you knew that God would work through you like he worked through Bobby Bonner? That 500,000 professions of faith and 300 churches could be started. If God would do that through you, would you go? What if he just wants you to win one person? Would you go? Would you surrender? Listen, we're talking about the Albanian Bible Project. If the word of God is more to be desired than gold, than fine gold, what are you willing to give to get the word of God? What would you be willing to give if you knew for sure that God was going to reach and convert one soul that's like an Albanian Bobby Bonner? What would you give?
Man, God's given us his word. He's given us his spirit. He's given us resources to accomplish his word and to accomplish his will, to accomplish his mission. I want to give you a second just to respond to the Lord. Would you just bow your heads? Maybe you want to come here and pray. Maybe you need to figure some things out, work some things out with the Lord. God, what would you have me to do? Do you want me to go? Who do you want me to go to? Who needs to hear the gospel? God, what would you have me give? Maybe in this room tonight, there's one who would say, I don't know that I've ever had a time when God changed my life like he changed Bobby's life. Like him, I believe there's a God. But I never knew how to have a personal relationship with him. A God who would love me, come into my life, and give me a home in heaven forever. If that's you, we have a pastor down front. We would love to take God's word and just show you how you can know for sure. How you can know this God of the universe who has sent his only begotten son to die in your place. Would you come today? You could just walk down this aisle. I'll meet you down here. Take God's word. Show you how I can be saved today. I invite you to come. The rest of us are praying, asking God, what do you want me to give? Where do you want me to go? How can I be involved in your purpose? Our Father in heaven, you are so good. Thank you that you are a God that speaks. And not only did you speak in the beginning, but you've spoken through time, through holy men of God, and then you've preserved it in your word so that you can speak to us. Even tonight, we've heard your voice through your holy word. Thank you for your word that converts our soul, changes us. Thank you for your word that makes simpletons like me wise that would enlighten my eyes, that would rejoice my heart. Thank you for your word. God, we, we confess and repent from neglecting it or taking it for granted. We rejoice in your word and we want to proclaim it to the nations. God, I pray that you would use us for your glory to get your word to this world. God, I pray that tonight you would challenge us to go to be a witness to the people next door to us, be willing to surrender to go to the other side of the globe. God, I pray that tonight you would challenge us to give. Help us to wrestle with our own flesh and our own greed to find what you would want us to do with the resources you've entrusted to us. We do it all for you because you're worthy of it. You're the one who loved us. You're the one who died for us. We belong to you, and we seek to glorify you. God, I thank you for meeting with us tonight. We don't take it for granted. What a special moment it is to hear from your spirit, to spend time together around your word, worshiping you and focusing on your mission. 
All praise and all honor and glory be to you and to your son, Jesus Christ. In his name we pray, amen. Chris is going to come. You can be seated for just a moment. Chris is going to come. He's got some uh, one more fun thing for us tonight. All right. If you've been here for a while, you know what's coming. This is one of my favorite things to do. Um, we want to do something special uh, for the other part of the missionary family that's not yet been recognized today. So the parents have had some fun. We took the guys golfing. The ladies got massages and stuff. Um, but uh, something that's often overlooked, as well as the wives, is the children. Uh, growing up a missionary kid, I've experienced uh, going everywhere, and, and something that we don't realize is those children um, are a part of the mission, too. Uh, the parents aren't the only ones going, and they're certainly not the only ones adjusting. Uh, and so as kids... Uh, it can be tough at times to, to figure out what it looks like to, to move to another country to, to you know, like the, the Vogleys here that just moved from Albania. Their kids are in middle and high school. Uh, when I was in middle and high school, I don't want to leave my friends. That's a tough thing. Um, and so, uh, you know, as we were, as we were growing up, uh, we, we had to, to tag along and we went wherever mom and dad went, didn't really have a say in it. Um, but we were always, we were always well taken care of. God sent some, some people to love on us and stuff. And so we want to do that for our for missionary kids, uh, growing up, uh, like I said, as a missionary kid, there's a lot of sacrifice missionary kids make uh, that we don't think about. And I think one of the toughest ones is the traveling. Uh, we traveled a lot. Uh, I think there were like 90-something churches we visited over the span of like nine months one time. And it was like every Wednesday night service, we'd have a service somewhere different than we were Sunday morning. And from Sunday morning to Sunday night, we might drive four hours to the next church. And there was a lot of car rides. Uh, me and my brothers got a, a, in trouble a lot for, for singing ridiculous songs. Uh, one time we put, uh, there's a song called, Are We There Yet? Are We There Yet? Are We There Yet? I am bored. And we used to sing that in rounds until they threatened to pull over and spank us if we didn't hush. Uh, and at one point, I think Josh even changed the words so we could keep singing it without getting in trouble. Kids endure a lot. It's, it's stressful on them. It's tough uh, to go around from hotel room to hotel room. Nothing's stable. Um, and so I, I remember, maybe my mom could correct me on this, but this is the way I remember the story. Um, my oldest brother and I played guitar a lot as we'd visit churches. Our part of pitching and helping raise support, we'd play and we'd sing some songs. And one night I got clever. I asked my mom, I said, you know, these churches, every time we visit them, you know, a lot of them will commit to sending us support and, and money. And, uh, you know, I, I get up there and I play the guitar every time I visit a church. And I put in my, I put in my share of work. I've never seen a dollar of that support. Where's my cut? And uh, I, I don't know how old I was. I had to be young. And, uh, and my parents, are they have a sense of humor, um, and they're gracious. And so I think we were at the dollar store or something. And my mom handed me like a five and said, here's your cut. Go spend it. Um, so we want to do something like this. This is the missionary kids you guys sacrificed. So I, we've got them in the back. Am I right? Uh, I'm going to go ahead and have you guys come forward. We've got your cut for you. Um, so I've got, let's have, I see one out in the aisle. Madeline is bounding down the aisle. Let's go. Let's start with her. We've got Madeline coming up. If you guys have not met the Ongs, you need to meet the Ongs. I think we have one more day with these guys. You guys here tomorrow, right? If you guys haven't met these guys, you need to meet them. This is Madeline right here. And we got Abigail right here. Uh, they're beautiful daughters. So we've got a gift for each of them. If, you're, if you can't see from where you are, we've got them some cash. We got them a few treats. Miss Wendy Murphy here figured out what they like. Um, so, 
just so you guys understand what we're doing here as missionary kids, one of the downsides to getting presents, we were given a lot of presents that we couldn't take because you can't travel. So we've given them cash to make sure wherever you go, this is for them. This isn't gas money or hotel money. This is Abigail and Madeline's play money, whatever they want. Wow, that is precious. So that is bunk bed money and Barbie house. So thank you guys for what you do. And they may not understand it now, but maybe one day they'll remember this. Thank you guys. And we've got the Vogleys. Are the Vogley kids in here? You guys can have a seat if you'd like. Thank you so much. We got Emma and we've got Ezra. Here we go. Now, if you guys are around at Oakland Heights, you know these two. These guys are awesome. You know, might I add that along with all that missionary kids may endure, they're often the most well-behaved kids. They endure a lot and still, man, these two are awesome. I've, I've got the privilege of having Emma in high school with us in our class. I've had Ezra Little. These kids are awesome. So um, you guys have met the parents. You saw uh, Mr. Arion up here. These are their kids, Emma and Ezra. She is in 10th grade and 6th grade, right? So we've got a treat for them. Thank you, guys. Give them applause. It's great. And with that being said, I'm going to hand it over to Thomas. He's going to close us out. Wow. What a night, man. Isn't it good? Praise the Lord. We got one more thing to do. Can you handle it? All right. If you can handle it, say, yes. All right. Larry, would you come on up here, man? Is that too much for you, Savannah? Is church allowed to be fun? Are we allowed to have a good time? I think we should have a good time. Hey, there's a microphone right here for you. Hey, this is Larry Allred. Everyone give it up for Larry. We're going to try our hardest to embarrass Larry up here. Okay. He says okay. Hey, uh, personally, this is a moment for me right here uh, because Chris Allred, who, if you guys know, I'm the student's guy. Chris and I have served a lot together in student ministry. Chris is his son. And David already, who, I don't know, is David in here or is he next door with kids? David somewhere. David is serving in children's ministry. Him and I hang out together. Our families hang out together a lot. And it's honestly, uh, it's emotional for me a little bit to see uh, these guys faithful. A God that's in ministry, having four sons that all serve the Lord is a huge encouragement to me. I don't know if you guys know what PK is, a pastor's kid, but they don't always have the best reputations, right? I mean... Maybe you know some wild ones. And to have four out of four serving the Lord is so it's such an encouragement to me because I, I have kids and it terrifies me what might happen to them one day. And they give me hope that uh, your kids can turn out okay and serve the Lord. You guys are like, Chris is doing all right, isn't he? Yeah, man. Yeah. And David. Uh, man, I'm so I'm thankful for you. And, and along, I, we don't know each other as well as I know your kids, right? Uh, but Larry is in Merida, Mexico. Did I say it right? Merida? Merida. Merida. Merida, Mexico. And another interesting story, this isn't about me, it's about you for real. But I feel so connected to him even though we don't know each other. Uh, in 2014, my wife and I, or 2013, we surrendered to missions when I was in New Philly. In 2014, Jeff Bartel said, let's go on a missions trip. So he was taking us to go and see the All Reds in Mexico. My wife was pregnant. And the day we were leaving for the missions trip, uh, we lost the baby. And so we had to stay home. Jeff went alone to go see the All Reds. And so in some strange way, 
we've been connected for a while, and that was an emotional time, and God has rewarded us now with three sons, so I'm very thankful for that. Uh, but it's very interesting, our connection, man, so it's a privilege of mine to interview him. So we're going to ask him a couple questions. You guys okay with that? And then, what? Stump him? All right, let's get the eschatology questions out. All right, uh, we'll ask him a few questions, then we're going to pray for him, then we're going to go home, okay? So, tell us, and he already knows these questions, by the way, he's ready for them, so we're not setting them up. Uh, tell us one of the biggest lessons that God has taught you on the field. Okay, well, there's several lessons that really God has taught me on the field. First of all, he told me he doesn't need me, but he wants me. And he's told me that, and he's shown me that it didn't start with me. He was there before I was there, and he'll be there after I leave. He showed me that he's got everything in order. Our children, as we were leaving, we were told by several and asked, what are you doing? You're going to take your children off to Mexico. It's dangerous down there. You're robbing them of opportunities. And I learned that what's dangerous is not following God where he wants you to go. His protection is where he's called you. And if we hadn't have gone, I wonder what would have happened to our boys. And all four of our boys, at one time or another, after they've been back, they thanked us for raising them on the mission field. I would say that God has shown me that he can flip my switch on and off whenever he wants to. It's in his power, not in my power. I think God has shown me that he can use anyone if they're just willing to go because I have nothing to offer. I'm not an intelligent guy. I'm one of those guys that graduated high school, you know, with a B double minus. And... But God is looking for obedience, and he'll teach us. And it's just like with Moses, you go, and I'll put my words in your mouth. And so God has shown me that he can use anyone that's willing to go. So it's not in our strength and our abilities and our intelligence. If we're just willing to go, uh, he's actually just invited me on a front row seat to watch it happen. That's awesome, man. You're doing great, by the way. Thank you, thank you. I practice it all evening. Yeah. All right, can you share with us uh, one or two challenges or struggles that you faced and maybe something that we can pray about for you? Hmm, challenges, struggles. Okay, remember what I told you this evening? If I get to one that I don't, don't want to answer, I can say next. Next is fine. No, we won't do next. Challenges. One of the challenges is going down there as an American. And uh, as an American, not being a Mexican, sometimes I struggle with my culture and my ways that I want to do something, and I think that's uh, a continual struggle. Struggle. What was the question again? Because I want to make sure I answer both. Uh, just a struggle that you've had. Struggle that I have in challenges. Okay, in challenges. Uh, the challenge would be to not go down and try to make an American out of it. That's not going to work. You know, I remember one time, and Tammy, I don't want to embarrass us here, but I, I might. <laughs> remember the time was an immigration. We were frustrated. Yeah, it was very frustrating. Said, you know. In America, they don't do this, and they don't do that, and they don't do this kind of thing. And we were just frustrated because of, you know, having to go back 17 times and couldn't get anything to work. And the lady says, but you're not an American. Uh, hello. We needed to hear that. You know, sometimes we think that the whole world thinks like us. No, we're the oddballs. There's not another place like America. We're the weird ones. So that would be one of the struggles. The struggle is to uh, understand you're in another culture and don't go make your culture, you know, that, that's not going to work. You know, that, yeah, that, that's a challenge. That one being. And a challenge is to not do what you do in your flesh. 
and making a plan and going to God with your prayer list. Now, Lord, this is what I expect. You know, I want to give you my list of what I want, and I do this. Instead of saying, God, what is it you want me to do today? So I think that's a challenge, not trying to take the steering wheel and drive. Let God have the steering wheel back. He's the one in charge. That's good, man. You guys hearing this? This is good stuff, isn't it? This is what it looks like to practically do missions, to surrender your culture, to just like Jesus stepping out of heaven, taking off his glory, to come down and walk among us, taking off your American rights to go to Mexico, uh, and then trusting the Lord. Uh, it's trust and obey, right? That's it. You just have to trust in the Lord because there's times that, that I mean, you're going to be challenged. I remember when we went down to, to Monterey, when, when we crossed that border, we just our family and the van with the things that we had, uh, we, we sold our home, we burnt the bridges behind us, we want to make sure there's no temptations to come back, you know, well, we didn't have anything to come back to in, in, in that mentality, but I remember driving to Monterey, and brother, I didn't, I didn't know how to read the map, and I remember my knuckles were white as I gripped that steering wheel, I said, I'm going to Monterey, hopefully, you know, <laughs> I think it's that direction, but the atlas doesn't read the same, and, and I remember being thrilled when we got to Monterey, I said, oh Lord, I don't know how to get back. You know, and, and I remember those fears, and I remember the phone ringing, and, and Tammy, I said, Tammy, it's your turn to get you. Oh, no, I got it last time. It's your turn. Because all we knew how to say was, hola, no entiendo. <laughs> Hello, I don't understand. Click. <laughs> and, you know, that was, a, that was a real big deal. Wow, man, I'm, I'm excited for you. I think you guys are doing awesome. You have, Thank what, you. four churches now? We have four churches uh, and uh, also uh, a college. Four-year Bible Institute at Pinedo, Louisiana Baptist University. And then we've got uh, 28 students in our seminary right now with three of those preparing also to be missionaries and pastors. Uh, probably we'll start a fifth church in, in about three years if all goes well and another one in, in five years. And then we have another young man that's getting excited. So uh, let's see what God does. But we feel like, you know, we're just getting started. I feel like the Lord's preparing me for the next 20-year phase. Yeah, so you have, uh, what, to, to, to that end, you have a prayer request, right? Do you want to share that with us, and then we'll yes, uh, pray uh, for you? You know, all this time we've been down there for the, for the, and we've been in missionaries for 25 years, and we've actually been in Mexico for 23, and 21 and a half years, that's been right there in Neva. And we're preparing young men uh, to grow, and, and the Lord has called them out to start new works and go to places, and we've done that. But now I feel like the Lord... Uh, is speaking to me and saying, I need to prepare someone to take the church that I've been pastoring for 20 years and so that I can move to another phase that the Lord has for me. And I was thinking, you know, if you had asked me three months ago, I would have told you, well, we're planning on pastoring this church until I'm about 70 years old, and by then, you know, I don't want to drag the church down and, and you know, rob all the energy, so I want to turn it over to someone younger that can take it and keep it going. And, and it's like the Lord just told me, said, well, you know, that's good. That's a good thing. I got something better, but if you want to do that, that's okay. And uh, I'm thinking, well, I thought that was pretty good, but I felt like the Lord had said, no, we're not going to wait 14 more years till you have 70 because we want to cut into what he has for me next. But the truth is, I don't know exactly what it looks like It's next. It's kind of like it's almost Christmas time and there's a box under the tree, and I know it's for me, and I'm excited about it. I can't wait to open it to see what it is for the next phase, and uh, we're going to see what that is. But I don't know exactly what it looks like, but I'm real excited about it. So uh, if you'll be praying for us right now, if I'm actually starting an internship as soon as I get back home. I'm going to get back home on a uh, Monday night, but it's going to be Thursday morning that I've got one of the seminary students coming in. And I believe it's that man that God's going to put over the church of Calvary. Now, he has no idea. <laughs> he, he has no clue, and, and I'm not going to tell him. 
Because if I tell him, then he, he, he's not ready for it. He might get all excited about it. And I don't need the church to hear about it. And start leaving. He's going to put this young man in there. They're not ready. I need him to grow. Give him some opportunities. Let him win their hearts. And then we just swap over. Let him be pastor. I'll be assistant. Something like that. Yeah. We'll see. What That's awesome. So the prayer request is a faithful man. He thinks he knows the man. We'll see if God knows the yeah. man. A faithful man. Thank you. Christmas present, right? That's right. Uh, that can take over his ministry as pastor so that he can step back. And I think you earlier you called it like being grandfather or something. Yeah, I, I feel like it's time for, for, you know, as we make disciples, you know, if, if I was discipling you, I'm going to pour my life into you, and I want to clone myself into you. And then I want to teach you, and I want to teach you how to disciple. So I want to have a disciple. Then I want to teach my disciple how to disciple. Then I want to teach my disciple how to teach his disciple how to make a disciple. Well, now I feel like, you know, we have grown up pastors, but I feel now it's time that I help those pastors to learn how to raise pastors to raise pastors. I feel like that's kind of like the next step, and, and I don't know exactly how that looks right now, but I feel like that's what God's telling me to do, and so I'm pretty excited about it. So we'll, we'll go, the main thing I need to make sure I don't do is get in the flesh and start telling God how to do his business, you know, and start telling him what we need to do next. I just need to settle down, wait, and ride through, and let, and I think I know who it might be. But you know how God is. You know, get this. Okay, here it comes. Is that guy? He says, no, it's that guy over there. What? Yeah. You, know, yeah. you never know. Yeah. But that's my, my, my prayer request is be praying for us and praying for our ministry and that God's will be done and the devil doesn't interfere. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, so let's, we're going to pray for him. Would you guys stand with me while we pray? And he's talking about a man. Let me just tell you, Andrew Ong, is Andrew still in here? Andrew called him one in a thousand, Right. A faithful man who can find is what Proverbs said. And I like it. If you, if you haven't talked to Andrew, you've got to talk to him yet. He said one in a thousand. He raises his eyebrows. Because it's real hard to find that faithful man. And when you find a man, you just want to grab a hold of him and say, man, praise the Lord. And so that's what we're praying for, for their ministry. So would you guys, this might be a little weird, but we're dependent upon God. Would you just raise your hands to the Lord as we pray? Let's pray. Father God, we thank you uh, for this family. I'm just, <clears throat> I'm thankful for their sons and their ministry here. We know the Allreds. There are pe people. But God, you moved them and you've used them and their sons are being used now. And they're entering the next stage of their ministry and they need the next man. And you and your foreknowledge, you know the next man. And you, you have the ability to put it on our hearts, to bring it into agreement with others and speak it into your, in your word. And God, I pray that it would be clear, just like we heard tonight, the word is not confusing. God, I pray that your spirit would speak expressly, straightly, truly, and that you would give them all confidence in knowing who this man is. God, I pray that you would call him, that, that he wouldn't be able to unsee what you reveal to him, and that you would bless him, and that you'd bless their church and their ministry, and that when we get together in glory one day, we can see him and we can rejoice. Amen. We prayed for you, and God used you. So, God, we, we trust it into your hands. I pray for Larry, God, for patience, uh, that you'd be with him. Give him all confidence in what you've shown to him and help him to trust you step by step. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.